This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. All right, this is I Hate the Fins. I think this is episode 22. I haven't even gotten episode 21 uh, uploaded yet. Huge fail on my part, but I have a good excuse. I'm buying a house, which means I have to sell mine. So my life is an utter disaster right now. Try doing that with a six-month-old. <clears throat> I dare you. I challenge you. So uh, a little behind here, but the good news is we're, we're keeping the machine, if you will, rolling. We're part of the Finsider Radio podcast network. Um, Finsider Radio, my old show, is also on there. We've got plenty of other programs that air. Check them all out. They're all wonderful. We're one of them. My name is Keith uh, with my co-host, Zach. Spent his evening listening to Fleetwood Mac. Uh, one thing I do want to talk about, this is kind of a freeform show. We were making the joke off air that this is like rebel radio for Dolphins fans. We'll just do whatever, whatever the hell we want tonight. Um. We all know that Zach's favorite prospect in the draft is Dalton Risner. Zach, tell them what you did. So I follow Dalton Risner on Twitter. Um, and the other day he, he had a, a tweet about getting rid of, I guess, just household kind of crap that he had laying around. Um, I guess he's, he's probably moving out of Manhattan, Kansas there, and probably back towards wherever home is in Colorado. Um or just kind of getting things out so when April 25th, 26th happens, he can just scoot to wherever he's going. And so later on in the day, he posted a video of like cleats and shoes and stuff. And, you know, just for shits and giggles, um, I, I tweeted at him. I was like, hey, like, I'd buy a pair of those cleats. And later on, he DM'd me. Long story short, I have purchased uh, Dalton Rister's combine cleats from him. Um, so those will be added to the collection. When do they arrive? I don't know. He he said he was going to send them out, um, today. Um, but I told him no rush because his April I'm sure is very hectic. Um, of course. I don't know if he has any, any 30 trips or whatever going on. So I said, whenever you get them out, man, you get them out. No rush. We also made the, the joke this week that, 
uh, Zach blew an opportunity in that you should have leveraged it with, I'll buy those cleats, but if the Dolphins draft you, you have to come on the program. If if the Dolphins draft him, I, I will still give that a go because um, he, he now follows me on Twitter for DM purposes. Um, so if the Dolphins draft Dalton Risner, I will try to make a push for that still. So you're saying there's a chance. That's exciting. There's a chance. There's a chance. Okay. Um, and the we're, we're going to have to start doing some Google Hangouts too so you can, like all those people on ESPN who, with the headphones in when they're doing uh, <laughs> interviews. Remember when it used to be like a fancy thing and they would send cameras to someone's home and now it's just like the little computer eye. They're sitting there yeah. talking. You could be the guy in the background with, and then behind you is uh, Dalton Risner's cleats. Yeah, I mean, that's like uh, now that DJ is the new Mike Mayock, um, they they hooked him up with one of those home camps and stuff, and he started doing stuff from home um, because he's been out on the road for all the pro day stuff. And uh, he he was all excited, but he's like, I don't have anything to put up here by besides App State stuff. That's like, oh, DJ, good try, good try. It's okay. And then And then Duke tunes in. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely a big App State guy from his background there. Yeah, he is. He's the App State guy. Uh, and it's also funny when you mispronounce it. He hates that. So if you're if you're able to talk to him or whatever, just make sure you mispronounce the Appalachian <laughs> State. So um, freeform, whatever. Tomorrow's Friday. That's exciting. Um, is your board changed at all? Just with what's going on here, just because you're seeing things locked in, you're seeing Kyler Murray write it in permanent marker now. I've seen that on Twitter, and that's not a shock. Obviously, we all expected it. My my board has changed a little, um, and it's been mostly due to going back and putting second and third looks on guys. Um, it hasn't changed catastrophically. Um, and like... This is the point of the year, too, where I go back and look at my board and I'm like, okay, this guy's here because I, I kind of got sucked into the media nonsense. Um, you know, at one point I had um, DK Metcalf in my top 10. I now have him in my top 20. Um, but, like, the dude, the dude's a physical specimen, physical freak, like runs a crazy 40 time, jumps out the, the building there. But the dude ran nine routes. Um, that's where he had his most most success. So like if we're being honest, he's kind of tall Mike Wallace, Um, which at the end of the day, like if that's what you do really well and a team can fit you in and you can rack up 1200 yards a year and 14 touchdowns being big Mike Wallace, that's fine. Um, I just don't think at the end of the day that warrants a top 10 position on a a big board or a, um, a grade like that. other than that, there's been some some swapping around of the edge players a little bit, um, and it's just become as I, we move closer to draft and watch a little bit more, um, you know, kind of settling in on what my preference of guys is. Um, and I don't think there was anybody else that was a a real big mover up and down on my board. I'm scrolling through here. I think pretty much everyone else has kind of stayed put. Um, I just, I, I think this day two of this draft is going to be really great um, for a bunch of positions. So I, I, I think there's a chance that while day one's always exciting and people always tune in the most for that, I think day two is, is going to be a really good opportunity for 
a lot of teams to pick up a lot of really good players at the end of the day. I usually refer to rounds two and three as the money rounds. Because, I mean, technically, just because you draft a guy in the second round doesn't mean he's not first-round talent. You know, so sometimes you're getting great value on the great bang for the buck, if you will. Regarding DK Metcalf, too, if you really want to be a jag about it, you can offer possibility for a Kevin White comparison. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think DK Metcalf's injury this year was more of a, a freak kind of football injury thing where Kevin White had a little bit of a history of injuries leading up to it. But I think if you're going to comp size-wise um, and athleticism, I think you're in the right ballpark there. Yeah, skill set. I'm not even talking about the injuries. I just mean... Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. Um, Kevin White just mossed people. At West Virginia, I mean, he was just bigger, faster, stronger than and you know every every defensive back in his in his path. Yeah. But I mean, when you go to the NFL, that's you gotta you gotta bring skill and savvy, uh, some some cleverness to the position. So, and I mean, I I don't want to make I don't make light of anyone's injuries. Uh, his injuries have been extremely uh, Kevin White that is have been extremely bizarre. Yeah. Oh, for in sure. That I think they're all bone related. I think the first yep. year it was like a shin shin splint that turned into like a fracture. Uh huh. And and then the second year it was a tibia or fibula. It was one of the two. Yeah. And then or, the third year it was a collarbone. Yeah, I so, mean it's not, it's not like a reoccurring tissue kind of thing that you see in some guys. Um, no, it's not like know. he's got bad knees or anything. No, you know? no. And I mean, like he ain't. The thing with him is there is some upside to what he brings to the position it for one he is a beastly blocker downfield that's one thing i noticed with the bears this year i mean like he is just an absolute just he's a puncher down there like he just was putting dudes down so that impressed me i'm surprised matt Nagy didn't try to go to that more because he's typically looking for that from from his dudes on the perimeter we want guys who can block green bay is a team that is always looking for guys who can block that's why I wasn't surprised when they drafted uh, Equinemius uh, St. Brown uh, the last year, just because, I mean, you can, he had a real, you and I talked about him mm-hmm. countless times leading up to the draft. Taller dude, almost 6'5", right? Yep. Like he's, yep. he's a, you know, longer guy. Um, showed great speed at the combine, but just tape really up and down in terms of route running, in terms of hands, um, all the, the little nuances and skills at that position. But the one thing that jumped out on his tape at Notre Dame, like he was just an, like an a plus blocker. So yeah, well, I mean, that, that's like at, at Notre Dame. I, I can't remember the last offensive player from Notre Dame. That was a refined, well put together offensive player outside of Quentin Nelson and Mike McGlinchey. But even at that point, they just said, yeah, just go block somebody. I mean, yeah. cops don't know how to play football. Oh, I was going to be a smart ass and bring up uh, Michael Floyd. Just be like, how dare you? <laughs> so, yeah, that's true. Uh, I mean, well, the closest we're talking about, especially a reverse receiver slash back position, probably Golden Tate, I'd say. Yeah. So, yeah. And oh, I mean, you're, you're, yeah, you're talking about the, that was 2010 when he was drafted. So, yeah. Speaking of Ooh. Notre Dame guys, that I, I, I might be a little low on Jerry Tillery. Um, I have him. I have him top 64, um, so it's it's not the lowest you could be. I think he's definitely a second-round kind of player. 
Um, but he's a guy that it wouldn't shock me if somebody's looking for a guy that gives you a little oomph up the middle on, on pass rushing downs um, to go potentially in the late one. Um, but like, I just, I just don't like guys that can't play against a run. Um, you know, I have a preference for defensive linemen that can do both. And if anything, I lean more towards guys that can play the run than that are outstanding pass rushers. Yeah, he uh, he's got the potential to be a wrecker. And I th- I feel like most years he's so a dude Pittsburgh would draft. I I see see him as as their guy on the defensive line. So I mean Jerry Tillery is um I mean I liked him. I thought at times his tape was really good this year. And I mean like he was a difference maker for that Irish defense. If Tillery so. came out in 2008, he's a top 16 pick. Like in the, the day and age that 34 defenses were viable primary base defenses, he's a guy that's a, a five-tech on a, a an odd front every day of the week. But Yeah, we'd probably, we'd probably draft him instead of Philip Merlin. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at the yeah. end of the day there, but at this point, you see maybe some three fronts in like a, a weird 3-3-5. Three, three, but I mean, how often do you see a base thirty-four defense at this point? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, every everything is hybrid. There's little um, little flares and um, window dressing with pretty much every defense now. And I mean, like that's just where the game is right now. I mean, because offenses have evolved too. I mean, so much work is done from the slot position now. I mean, it used to be like that guy was like your third option. And then they realized that you get these guys in there who have great change of direction skills and they're just a problem inside, you know, and they're typically very gritty, a little bit smaller. So they have a smaller, um, smaller target in terms of how you're able to jam them at the line of scrimmage. And I mean, from there, if you're able to beat that jam, then I mean, it's, it's open season on that, on that defense. I mean, the, the possibilities are endless. So. It all starts there. So, yeah, you're seeing defenses play some catch-up now. Used to be, like, I mean, occasionally you see a, a defense go to, like, a, a nickel look, uh-huh. you know? And I remember, like, when Madden, like, you had to go so far just to find, like, the dime packages. <laughs> Four like, receivers, what is to, this? Yeah, you, pre- you pretty much had to had to unlock a code just to get into, like, the dime packages that, in that game at one point. And now, I mean, like, that's just standard fare for your NFL defenses. I mean, this is the, so, this is the first year for Madden that they ended, added uh, that big nickel package with, like, the the safety up as the linebacker. It's like, the NFL's been doing that for, like, five years now. Like, ever since right. uh, Buchanan or whatever was drafted, um, Mark Barron, Dale, yeah, Dale Buchanan and and Mark Barron, like ever since those guys came in, and like, I mean, that's me spending sixty dollars on Madden, which is a dumpster fire every year, is a whole nother episode, but we won't get into that. Yeah, uh-uh. Mark Barron, what did uh, what did your spirit animal Mike Mayock say about him when he was drafted? His his floor is Pro Bowl safety. His ceiling is Pro Bowl safety. Yeah, something, something, something like that. Um, I, I mean, draft dad Mike Mayock sometimes makes some misses in there, but you know nobody shoots a hundred percent. But he did pick Marino. Yes. So there's that. Yes. Although Dan's last year at Pittsburgh, a lot of people, I think he threw more interceptions than touchdowns his his last year at Pitt. Yeah, he had he had a wonky last year for sure. Yeah, it worked out for us. <laughs> <laughs> So, 
I don't have any real changes. I, I get the feeling that it's weird because usually this time of year you see the media and and team by team media really going into overdrive with quarterbacks. Uh-huh. And and now I feel like we're kind of entering a period where people are starting to hit the brakes on it. Yeah. Which can be natural this time this time of year, especially where was it paralysis by overanalysis? Yeah, this this is the point where like we're we're in the month of April and people are just like, Yeah, well, he did the whole process really well, but you know, he tripped walking down the street one day, so I don't know if he has the coordination to be a first round pick. Like that's that's what April is. That's all April is. His uh, like let's talk about Dwayne Haskins because yeah. Dwayne Haskins after his pro his pro day left like blaze marks in the street like the the time machine in Back to the Future and I just thought like oh man this guy is off to the races now and then now I feel like people are pumping the brakes on him a little bit and it's like ah you know we noticed that with face pressure it gets to him and it, you know you you'll see it disrupt his timing disrupt his mechanics disrupt everything. Like, I mean, that's considerable considering how most defenses in the NFL absolutely want to want to push their in, interior rushers right down your throat if they can. Yeah. And I mean, so, like, it's crazy because the conversations kind of moved, at least within traditional media and draft media, has kind of moved to like Dwayne Haskins. It could be more like the third quarterback behind Drew Locke, which like. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are... It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies, like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. I, I have a relatively even grade on Haskins and Locke. Haskins is a little bit higher. Um, but like at the end of the day, Dwayne Haskins has always been the third quarterback behind Kyler Murray, who's the second quarterback behind nobody who's the first quarterback. That's kind of how this class has been the whole time. 
Um, right. Where like there's there's no true guy where you're like this guy is a quarterback where you're gonna sign off on and God forbid he's not a franchise guy. It was worth shooting your shot. Everyone in this class has some sort of questions. There's there's you know I mean I had questions about Sam Darnold last year, but I felt better about Sam Darnold than most of these guys i i'd say he's probably on par with kyler murray um based on my grades for those two but you know baker i i had like uh easily when he went number one i was like yeah he's definitely the best quarterback option possible um but he showed it Mm -hmm. over four and a half years or whatever in college football you know kyler played one dwayne haskins played one and then from there you're you're going to drew Locke, who played I think he played three and a half years technically after Matty Mock was doing lines of cocaine at, at Missouri. Um, How dare you? I, I mean, if your quarterback's <laughs> not doing lines of cocaine, I don't know what they're doing, to be honest. Um, but, like, then you move into those guys that are, like, they played more football, but, like, there's a lot of questions about them. I, I mean, I have Will Greer over Drew Locke, and I have like a really fringe, probably more early second Andy Dalton level, um, car kind of level second round grade on him. And then I have Drew... Let's talk talk about Will Greer for a second, because Will Greer is the exception to what we're talking about right now. He is getting a little bit of a boost. And now all of a sudden, after people talking about how they wouldn't take him day three, now it's, well, he might go in the back end of the He might go to the Pats. Who knows? Um, I mean, like, from the start, I've always said that Will Greer has a good enough NFL arm. I think he drops the ball on deep passes really well into the basket. Um, and at the end of the day, like he's played probably the most football um, besides for Ryan Finley, who played for like 12 schools. Um, and then he's a guy that he's faced adversity. You know, he had his issues at Florida, a stupid PED thing where it was like a creatine kind of whatever um and then he transferred he has a wife he has a kid he's become a father you know as somebody yourself that's become a father recently you know that's that's a trial and a half to go through um from what i understand um so at the end of the day like i i just think that he is more life ready where i think worst case scenario for him you have a really good probably top three backup quarterback where Honestly, if you spend a two or a three and have the, the NFL's best backup quarterback or top three backup quarterback, like that's fine. Like keep shooting your shot to get your franchise guy, but like not a bad guy to have in your pocket. No, and speaking of parents and children, it sounds like Will Greer's dad is a pain in the ass. <laughs> so aren't they all at this point? There's that damn millennials. I guess so. Sports parents, helicopter sports parents, the absolute uh, worst. But- the but bane of the bane of society. Will Greer is like the least famous Greer ch- child. You do you know that he has two <laughs> brothers that are like YouTube stars, and so like like yeah. what, if you look up like the Greer family, like he is the last one you find. Well, <clears throat> I, I I suspect things are about to work out for him. Yeah, he'll be okay. he'll be okay. Yeah, you want to be a YouTube guy or do you want to make NFL money? What do you want to do? There's a lot less CTE uh, being a YouTube guy. I will say that. Uh, you went there. I was thinking <laughs> it, but I, I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> That's why you're here, though. Uh, somebody's got to be offensive. Yeah. Savagery. <laughs> Savagery department. Zachary speaking. So I think that, I mean, it's kind of just uh, a little bit of a ho-hum week. I, 
and I mean, just with the limited amount of time that we that we have in terms of our social lives right now, uh, do you want to end on Jets Unis, which oh. debuted officially tonight? Oh God, get them! Oh Let my have God, it. like the the problem is, is like I don't think they're terrible. I think they're just ripoffs of either Marshalls or Northern Texas. Texas uniforms. Um, what I would have liked to have seen is, you know, essentially the basic Tennessee uniforms. If they did the basic University of Tennessee uniforms for the Jets and then use that gray alternate with the green, that would have been perfect. Like, they're mm-hmm. not too crazy. They're not too over the top. I think they're just right. But, like, they're just not good. They look like they're some sort of, like, AAF, like, we folded, here's some leftover uniforms, good luck, guys. Um, but, like, the bigger problem is, again, like, I talk about my Jets buddy, and and he was he was saying the other day, he's like, why do people hate the leaked Jets uniforms so much? Like, what's the issue? I was like, well, the problem is, is Jets fans have been hyping them up so much, where, like, I don't remember this much uniform hype talk when the Dolphins... We're rebranding. Uh, maybe, maybe it's just because I'm a Dolphins fan, but like, I felt like there was not as much like, oh my god, new uniforms. What's going on? Um, but I think that speaks to how bland the Jets uniforms have been up to this point. They were very blah. You when we talked about this when the league came through, I'm in the minority where I don't hate them. Like, I'm glad they went back to that sort of like '80s '90s green that they had, because frankly, the the old school green that they had, it was almost like like a matte finish on your uniform. I realize that doesn't make sense, but that how that's how it kind of came off. Just very like clayish green. I, I hated it. I didn't think the old school lo- logo was working for them. I'm glad that they kind of went to a variation on, like I said, like that, that um 80s and 90s look with like the actual, like the, um, the word mark with, uh, I don't think they have like the little jet on there. Maybe they do. I haven't seen I that. I don't part. think so. Um, but so I mean, so it's like the word mark without yeah. it. Yeah. And then um the one thing you brought up, which I totally agree with though, is like that that rando stripe that, yeah, that they've I hate got on that. the shoulders. Hate that. So I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm not gonna kill him for it just because I I, I do think it's an improvement. Their look look before was just so boring. Yeah. Um but I mean, it's like when the dolphins Sometimes simple changes are best. Look at how much better their uniforms got when they just took out that stupid dark blue. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that, that marine blue or whatever it's called. I mean, once they tossed that, their uniform went to, in my opinion, is pretty much a 10. Yeah. I mean, people can say they want the throwbacks, and that's fine. I get that because that is a beautiful uniform. But in terms of like current uniforms, just the pure aqua and orange, in my opinion, tough to beat. That's a great color scheme. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, I think they're actually. Um... Did you see they're bringing in a, a new alternate this year? And I think it's going to be the white throwback uniform, which I really like the old white uniforms in the first place. Yeah, I've, I always preferred the white to the um, to the aqua in terms of the, the old school look. The old school, especially the like the modern aqua old school throwback just feels heavy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, just that 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 heavy like since since they moved from that, like teal teal to that that lighter crest toothpaste teal um it it just feels <laughs> so heavy especially for miami and being a million degrees and humid all the time um i will say if they ever do a uh 
uh, an alternate like the the city uniforms that they do for the NBA. I would love like a a night game like charcoal gray base uniform with a neon pink and blue. Um, I think that'd be a really cool uniform just for like a one and done. Kind of like a variation on what the the Miami Heat did with like the Miami Vice colors. Yeah, the Miami Vice, Miami Knights kind of thing. Um, yeah, you know that that or I'd love to see them do something based on kind of like that Cuban Havana salsa heritage kind of thing. Um, I just wish the NFL was at least remotely a notch more fun. Um, but that probably will never happen. I was going to say, the NBA is plenty fun right now. The only thing that's killing them, in my opinion, is uh, the fact that they're on ABC and they're affiliated with ESPN. Total trash. Like yeah. They should just find a way to get all their games on TNT because TNT yeah. is so much better in how is, they show. Which is so weird because like, we're, we're so used to traditional media outlets for professional sports right cbs uh nbc fox like and then like tnt is just kind of always held it down for the nba and they've done a really good job yeah and tbs does a good job for baseball go figure you know i and i maybe i'm biased and i know you and i have talked about this off air and probably on air too uh the end the nba just got a lot less fun when it left NBC, I thought NBC just did it right. And I understand like you can't have the same studio teams and announcers forever. Yeah. But their, their game, cause I mean, they essentially had it for a little over a decade and it was just on point every year. It was so good. Even when the finals weren't good, it was like just incredibly entertaining. Uh, ABC doesn't get it in my opinion. Nope. So when you're talking about football, I can take or leave Fox and eh. CBS, I don't really, care. I don't really care. I know NBC is trying to make a bid to get back in on yep. football. I remember reading about that. And then right now, NBC has his plate full because they've got hockey yep. too. And I, I remember when hockey was on ESPN and ABC, they, they they pretty much had the thing going that um the NBA currently has. And I, the funny thing is, hockey on ESPN wasn't bad. Hockey on ABC was pretty damn dry though. So, I mean, like you definitely, even though you're talking about like parent companies here or um, companies under the same umbrella, essentially, I thought that there was just a little bit more of an improvement when you watch on ESPN and they had Gary Thorne, who just had a great voice for that. I don't want to get too far away from that, though. Um, (laughs) The last thing we'll talk about, uh, what do you think of the draft hat? Um, I think the Dolphins draft hat is fine. I think it's, it's nice. fine. At first, I thought it was waves on the side, but then I realized it was like pom fonts. Um, and supposedly they're all based off of the state flag and stuff, but right. some of them are not even close to state flags. Um, no, some of them are just straight up hideous. My favorite ones are the Giants and Jets ones because they had a real struggle to be like, well, they play in New Jersey, but they're New York teams, so what do we do? Um, and so they just, they just passed on those all together. Yeah. And they, I didn't even see the jets one yet because when I was looking at the, uh, the list of them, there were only 31 available cause they withheld yep. it to coincide with, um, the uniform drop. So yeah, and, and being in Baltimore, I think, um, they really, really whiffed on the Ravens one too. Cause like as somebody that's recently moved to Baltimore within the past six months, like that. Baltimore flag and that pattern is everywhere. And they just 
they just didn't even do anything for the hat. They just kind of two-toned it, and that was it. It's like a random stripe, too. Yeah, yeah, it's just like a like side, one. weird two-tone kind of who knows. Some of the hats I don't understand. Like I think the Green Bay one is just straight-up boring. Um, the Kansas here. City one, I don't get the Kansas City one. I, maybe I just don't know their their flag well enough. It's got these like weird lines that arch together. It's like a tribal tat or yeah. something. Yeah. That's what um, I thought when I saw it. And then what else? Uh, the Cardinals one with the rising sun kind of thing. I know that's Arizona's flag, but like, definitely think more like World War II Japan when it comes to that. Um, really? Because I mean, I have to say, like, I saw people killing that one, and I actually, I love the the state flag that they yeah. have, like the um, the the hockey team, the Arizona Coyotes or the Yotes, if you mm. will. If you're a fan of that team, like they have the the shoulder patch that has like the. I think it says A R Z or A Z, and then it has like the the sun coming yeah, out. No, of it. I, I think I so think I, think, cool I think it's good. I just associate that look with another thing because I was big into to history and stuff growing up. So um, that's just a a thing on my end there. Uh, I associate it with um, all the the custom the guitars, guitar, <laughs> the custom yep, guitars in the eighties yep, yep. that had, and a lot of them went with the like the Japanese graphics and yep. everything. And a lot of my favorite players actually from that era had, uh, and you just see like a rising sun coming out and it would be like the, the custom body work. Yeah. On it. So, I think, I think the Texas one is pretty cool. good. That's with the, the Texas flags that pretty four four checkered, uh, red, white, and blue kind of thing. So that, that one's pretty good. That's pretty spot on. Yeah, I agree. All right. Let's, um, let's pull the plug. All right. This is good. This is efficient. We this is one it. of the more shows we did. Yeah. 30, 30 and change. So thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Hopefully we entertained you for a little bit. If not, we'll try better next time and probably fail then, too. But we'll promise to do it the next time after that. So we just ask that you stay with us for the long term and allow us to continually disappoint you. Uh, For Zach, my name is Keith. Thanks for hanging out. We'll do this again soon. Take care. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.